0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you'd come with me then to the book of Zephaniah. Um, In our church for the past two years, I've been trying to uh, do what I can to encourage our believers to systematically read through the Bible. Uh, so two years ago, we started a Bible reading program. It's um, a, re- a read the Bible in a year sort of plan. Uh, in this case, it's a chronological plan. That doesn't matter. And uh, so I give the, the plan out and encourage everyone in the church to read through the Bible um, together. So we're going through the passages together. Not everyone does, and people have their own systems as well, and that's fine, but this is just an encouragement to, for people to get on a, a method, a system for reading the Bible. And um, most Sundays, I will choose something from the week's reading, from, the, from, from what we've gone through during the week, uh, a difficult passage or something, well, the Lord uh, brings to mind while we're reading, and try to deal with that, again, to encourage people to read through the Bible, and my goal as I preach is to help them to understand and uh, ask themselves questions about what they're reading. So, um, the last month we were going through, uh, you know, the tail end of some of the minor prophets. We read through Zephaniah and uh, spent a little bit of time going through the book of Zephaniah. And I would like to share uh, some thoughts from the book of Zephaniah with you. One of the, one of the nice things... so. Uh, one of the great things about going through the Bible this way is that it forces me, in a sense, as I preach through the Bible, to go through all of the different passages of the Bible. Uh, it gets easy to, to, to pick series in the New Testament or, or, or common passages, typical passages to go through church, uh, but this kind of forces me to go through the entire Bible and preach from passages that are maybe a little bit less known. Zephaniah isn't a, isn't a very typical uh, book of the Bible to go through, and so um, it, keeps, like I say, it keeps me focused on the entire Bible and reading it as a story, uh, figuring out how each part of the Bible relates to the overall story of, uh, of the good news. So in the book of Zephaniah, uh, we're going to start reading because it doesn't re- uh, most of the required context is given to us right there at the beginning of the book. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1 says, the word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezkiah, in the days of Josiah, the king of Ammon, king of Judah. This is the first time I've preached in English in years, so some of these names, i uh, try to pronounce them as best I can. But uh, as we go through, as we uh, find a typical introduction to a book yeah, like this, uh, we have the genealogy of Zephaniah, which. Uh, is very typical, you know, in the, in the Old Testament to get a bit of the genealogy. Well, we find out that uniquely Zephaniah, one of the prophets, was a, a direct descendant of King Hezekiah. Okay, Hezekiah is pretty well known in the Old Testament. He was one of the kings, um, well, one of the kings that oversaw tremendous spiritual growth in the nation of Israel. Uh, one of the highlights, really, of the, of the, in the books of the kings. And um, Zephaniah is of royal blood. Being connected to Hezekiah means he's of the uh, tribe of Judah, very close to, very closely related to the genealogy of Christ, right? The, the, the line coming from Judah leading up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it tells us he was preaching, um, serving during the ministry, or sorry, during the reign of Josiah the king. Josiah is another unique king in the, as we go through the kings of Israel, in that he was, well, he came to be king at a very young age, uh, and he oversaw another spiritual reform, uh, spiritual awakening in Israel. Okay? And we're not going to talk a lot about Josiah here, we're going to talk about Zephaniah, but it's, um, it's not a coincidence that Zephaniah was a close relative of Josiah's, and I suspect uh, not, a, not a very large um, conclusion to leap to, that uh, that uh, Zephaniah played a role in Josiah's wanting to learn more about uh, the book of the Bible okay cleaning out the temple, finding the Bible, and bringing about the spiritual awakening in, in Israel okay so Zephaniah uniquely placed within the family tree of the Bible and uh, with unique access to the king okay he preaches and uh, <laughs> I love uh, I love the contrast in the different books of the Bible right but verse two starts out like a, like a Like the barrel of a shotgun says, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, says the Lord. Okay, it doesn't take us long uh, to get into the meat and bones of uh, Zephaniah's preaching. And it's a tough message, right? I'll utterly consume all things from off the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks of the wicked. And I will cut off or kill man from the land, says the Lord. Okay, now we're talking most likely about specifically the nation of, uh, of Israel here. Uh, Zephaniah is prophesying or telling that God is going to judge, severely judge the nation of Israel. Okay, now this isn't very unique among the prophets. Okay, most of the prophets preached the message of repentance and preached about God promising to judge the land, right? Zephaniah is one among those prophets, but he comes out, You know, immediately with one of the strongest, uh, one of the strongest introductions that we find in the prophets says, verse four, I will stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnants of Baal from this place and the name of Chenarims with the priests. I'm going to keep reading. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops and them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired of him. Uh, Zephaniah is about to give a list of the sins for which God is going to judge Israel, right? And these are typical sins. This isn't new information, because it appears time and time again throughout the history of the Israelites, okay? What was their lead, the leading cause of God's wrath on Israel? It was their idolatry, okay? They would serve, sometimes alongside Jehovah, they would serve Baal. Um, they would serve the, the gods of the nations that were around them, right? And uh, sometimes, I remember as a kid especially, thinking how strange it was that you would just replace one god with another. Why would you pick one idol over another, uh, over another idol? Why were the Jews so many times sucked into the worship of these false gods? And, well... The reason is often is is, is often quite simple. Um, along with the worship of Baal and these other gods, many times these were fertility gods, gods that represented licentious, sinful lifestyles. These people weren't, um, you know, these people weren't stupid. These people weren't just being fooled into one idol or another. Along with serving Baal came of a lifestyle of sin, uh, came ritual sin. Uh, all of these false gods came along with sinful activity and um, ways of breaking God's law. So when people, people weren't tempted you know, to bow down to a, a separate idol just because of the idol's sake, people were tempted into sin. That sin is what led them into these other practices. These practices allowed them to... Act in sin the way their the way their natures and the way our natures uh, drive us towards sin. Right. So even though this is a, we're talking in terms of idolatry here, we're really talking about issues of the heart that have not changed in you know 3,000 years since Bible times. Uh, these are issues that each of us deal with. Maybe you're not tempted to bow down to an idol somewhere, but we're all tempted with the same sins that the Jews were tempted with and fell into time and time again. So when God is uh, railing against idolatry, he's really condemning their lifestyles. He's condemning the sinful practices that they choose. Instead of honoring God, they honor their, uh, they honor their flesh. They honor their own desires. Okay? That's really what's wrapped up in the idea of idolatry. Nowadays, we often talk about idolatry, um, you know, replacing God with, say, your career, say, with money, uh, many things in our culture that we replace God with, and it it, it comes into this, it, it comes to down to the same thing. Okay, uh, we can choose the one and only path that God has chosen for us: a life of service to Him, a life of Asking and following God's will daily. Or we can choose our own lifestyle, which is, well, let's face it, what our culture does. Okay? We choose what makes us happy. We choose the things that we desire. And that is, in and of itself, idolatry. Okay, that's, well, the first condemnation on Israel, Zephaniah goes after their idolatry. Again, like all of the prophets did all throughout the history of Israel. Verse 7 says, uh, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has bid his guests. Now, the day of the Lord is a central topic in in the story of the Bible, right? The day of the Lord is referring to God's future plan for the earth. Um, It refers to the coming of Christ and his death on the cross and the subsequent uh, plan of God for the world. It refers to the eventual day of judgment when God will um, reconcile everything that has been done. Okay? The day of the Lord is talking about how God will direct the events of the earth. Now, as Christians, we can hopefully look forward to the day of the Lord with joy and anticipation. Okay? Because as Christians, we have nothing to fear as our sins have been forgiven. That is definitely not the case, though, for most people. Okay? The day of the Lord, for a sinner, is a day to fear. That's why Zephaniah in, uh, introduces it in this way. It okay? says, um, the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is prepared to sacrifice. He has bid his guests. What Zephaniah is doing here is he's, he's putting together an illustration. Okay? Um, nowadays, uh, we enjoyed a, a wonderful meal uh, today at, um, at Pastor John's house um, Cooking today and preparing a celebration meal is a very different, a different set of chores than, than what it was back in the Bible times, obviously. Um, back in the Bible, okay, if you were gonna prepare some food, it usually meant killing a couple of animals. It meant a bloody, lots of work to prepare for the celebration, right? It was a lot of different kind of work involved. A lot of work involved in a celebration nowadays. But it's, you know, different to go to the store and buy packaged meat than it is to kill your own animal's skin and go through the, the bloody process that it is to prepare for a feast. And, okay, God is introducing the day of the Lord as a feast. And he's saying it's going to be, there's going to be bloody preparation for this feast. Okay? And it's a bit of a, you know, it's not a, it's not a pretty analogy. It's not a nice... Uh, figure of speech that Zephaniah is using here. But what he's talking about is there's going to be a lot of blood, there's going to be a lot of suffering leading up to this feast. Says, uh, he's bid his guests and it shall come to pass, verse 8, in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes, the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Okay? The primary recipients or the first recipients of God's judgment on the day of the Lord, well, we start out with who? The kings, uh, it says the princes, uh, the king's children, and those that are clothed with strange apparel, uh, referring most likely to people who are rich and can afford exotic clothing, clothing from outside, and uh, talking about a, an elite class in Israel. Many times the prophets did this, right? They would, they'd start out talking about, you know, kind of the, the, top, the top percent, uh, the people in power, the people who were uh, above, what most of the most of the people listening to the message were. Okay, that's a very popular message, <laughs> even today. Very easy to talk bad, uh, talk about bad things about the people who are, you know, a couple of rungs above you on the totem pole, in whichever way you want to take that. Um, Zephaniah says, well, these people in power, these privileged people, the rich, the princes, the ones who have access to all of this, they're going to be judged. And the people at this point are, like, yeah, yeah, they deserve to be judged, right? Um, It says, in the same day, verse 9, also will I punish all of those who leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. In it, this is another kind of figure of speech. uh, What it's referring to is thievery and taking advantage of your strength to hurt others. Uh, People would break into the house of a person who was weaker than them and make off with their goods. That's what this is talking about. Thievery or abuse of power. Okay. taking advantage of people who are weaker than you. Okay, well, that's another class of people that God's going to judge. Again, it's very easy to point the finger at those outside and say, well, this person deserves God's judgment because this person is a sinner. Uh, Very easy to do. And at this point, probably have a lot of people still shaking their heads, uh, agreeing with what Zephaniah is saying because it's, it's not coming close to home yet. It's talking about, you know, the people who are out there breaking God's law. Verse 10 says, And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. This is talking about the scope of the judgment. We're talking about two primary gates in the city of Jerusalem. The entire city of Jerusalem is going to mourn. Okay, this is a kind of going back to, If you remember the 10th plague in Egypt where it says the entire city was, you could hear wailing and mourning because of the judgment of God, right? Um, From end to end, there's going to be this reaction to God's judgment, okay? Now, the city is not filled with only rich people and only thieves, right? This is, the, this is going to be the reaction to God's judgment. It says, uh, well, continuing on, verse 11, Howl, ye inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down. All they that bear silver are cut off. This isn't a condemnation of the merchants themselves. This is saying, well, this is talking about economic, economic problems. Uh, the people are not going to have available the merchandise, the things that they want. Okay, This is an, a kind of Talking about an economic crisis in a sense, okay? This is going to be part of the judgment. People are going to suffer economically and in other senses. Verse 12, and it shall come to pass, and this is, um, I think, okay, one of the key verses here in the passage. And it shall come to pass at that time uh, that I will search Jerusalem with candles. Now, again, remember with the, the plagues in Egypt talks about the angel of the Lord going door to door throughout the, throughout the land of Egypt, uh, distributing justice or judgment on a one-by-one basis, right? Checking for the marks of blood on each door. This is a similar imagery, okay? That's what uh, Zephaniah is alluding to. I will, go th- I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men who are settled on their lees. I'll explain that in a second that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Okay, that phrase there is translated uh, literally, or it's translated uh, directly from a Hebrew expression or idiom talking about um, like the dregs of a drink. Like if you you want to imagine drinking something, some coffee, there's always that little bit that stays in the bottom that just no matter how much you try is not going to come out of the cup. That's just an expression to talk about someone who's not budging. Okay, you might say nowadays it's a person who's chilling, a person who does not want to move, a person who's even comfortable, okay? Now, this is where Zephaniah's message hits home to a lot more people, okay? Up until now, he's kind of talked about the elites, talked about those really terrible sinners out there that we can point the finger at. But what he's, but what he's saying now is that God is not going to just judge an entire nation you know, rain down judgment on all. He's going to search one by one, with a candle, go through the entire nation of Israel, looking at hearts, looking at individuals. He's going to look at each person. You know, no hiding. You can't escape in the crowd. Uh, God is going to look at each heart, and he's going to look for those who are relaxed, those who are calm, and those who aren't aren't worried, those who say, the Lord isn't going to do neither good nor bad. Okay, and now <laughs> here is where the verse you know, really starts to hit home, at least to me. Uh, you know, people who know me uh, know that I'm, a, I'm by nature a fairly calm, tranquil person, not easily riled up, not easily nervous. I'm pretty, I'm a well, yeah, I'm a pretty tranquil person. Well, this verse is talking about spiritual tranquility. It's talking about people who are just not worried spiritually. They're okay. Okay, they're, uh, they're, they're where they need to be. Um, God isn't going to bless them per se, but he's not going to punish them either. That's what, they, that's what they say. That's what they hope. Uh, we're all right. Maybe these are people who still claim to worship Jehovah. You know, they haven't. Maybe they haven't bowed down to these foreign gods, or not as much as the others at least. Maybe they're not going through breaking into houses and stealing things and breaking God's laws outwardly, openly, they're all right. They're not super spiritual, but they're not super worldly. They're comfortable, okay? And that's who Zephaniah targets. And then he, he, he brings a laser focus down on these people. And that's where he says God's going to look one by one, check each heart, and see how people are doing. Um, it says, verse uh, 13, therefore, their goods, now we're not talking about the rich anymore. We're talking about these uh, calm and relaxed people. Their goods, now they shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation. They also shall build houses, but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. So essentially, God's judgment is coming for them. Uh, the relaxed people. Um, when, I, when I was preaching this uh, there in Spain, I titled it, you know, God's judgment on the relaxed, on the, on the people who are not worried. Uh, because, well, that's who Zephaniah is going after. And uh, if you think back to Josiah's day, you know, Josiah didn't inherit a reign of, you know, a terrible, terrible nation. Uh, the people were not, uh, you know, bombastically going after other gods. They weren't, like, steeped tremendously into terrible sin, like in other generations, like under other kings. Uh, they were ap- apathetic. Uh, Josiah goes through the temple, and the temple was, you know, strewn with cobwebs. Uh, people didn't know the Bible. People weren't studying the Bible. When he, you know, they go through the Bible and they start reading it, they start tearing their clothes because they're not familiar with God and God's, uh, God's plan and God's commandments. The people were all right, but they were, you know, they were all right, is what they, what they thought. They were not on fire spiritually, they were not zealous to serve the Lord. And you have to think back to when God called out the nation of Israel, when God called Israel, you know, what was their purpose? Uh, Why did God choose Abraham and give Abraham promises? Uh, He said to Abraham, this nation is going to come from you. Well, the Messiah is going to come through this nation, and this nation is going to be a testimony to the rest of the nations. It's going to be a blessing, is what he said, to the rest of the nations. God's very, God's simple purpose for Israel was for Israel to be a light to the nations around them, okay? Israel was supposed to be the example of the nation that serves God. That, that you know, house on the top of a hill or that light on top of a hill that everyone could see and, uh, and imitate. And, you know, you go through the nation of Israel and they definitely were not that, at least on many occasions. The, the nation of Israel was constantly going through these ups and downs spiritually, you know. Uh, and when they were when they were not under pressure from foreign countries, when they were not suffering, they went into apathy. They went into sin and idolatry. And a new cycle continued. God would judge them. In their judgment, they would repent, they would come back to God. God would uh, free them, and then they'd go back into apathy. And that's you know the cycle that we're all familiar with throughout the Old Testament. Well, I believe okay, that same cycle is what we go through okay, as Christians. You know, the, the, when you come into the New Testament and God puts his focus on the church, uh, there are many parallels between uh, the church and the nations of Israel. Okay? Now, obviously, we're talking about separate entities. We're not talking about... Uh, we're not talking about the same thing. But the church is, uh, has a similar role in God's plan. The church is meant to be the light in the world that brings people to God. Okay? We're supposed to be uh, God's representatives here on earth and v- living out a life that demonstrates the, the moral code that God expects of mankind. Okay? We're supposed to be the ones that lead others to Christ through our testimony and through our lifestyle. Uh, now... Is that what we do? Well, we go through phases. In it. Very, very easily, we get into this apathetic stall spiritually, where we're all right. You know, we listen to a sermon every now and then. Something convicts us. Every now and then, we work something out. But for the most part, you know, we're we're, we're spiritually comfortable. And uh, you know, we say one of the one of the primary, uh, you know, one of the main events in terms of the church, right? Is, is God coming, uh, the, the return of Christ? If God returned today, you know, and speaking like, like Seth and I was speaking of the day of the Lord, if God returned, well, what do we think? God's not going to punish me. God's not going to tremendously bless me, maybe. You know, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in, you know, I'm all right, spiritually. Um, that is very, very easily the place where we find ourselves. And, you know, I'm speaking to myself here, first of all. Uh, we... Tends toward apathy. You know, we do not we we do not have a track record. The Jews don't, and the Christians don't, right? We don't have a track record of maintaining a zeal, uh, a fervor, to really fulfill our, our jobs here on earth. You know, as representatives of God. Um, you know, a new Christian. I love seeing a new Christian who's zealous about witnessing and zealous about serving the Lord and all excited about really you know giving his life to God and seeing God work through him. And then how many times, you know, as, uh, as, as time passes and we hopefully grow spiritually, but we lose a lot of that fervor and we lose, you know, the first, the first love. Um, that's a constant struggle, right? And I'm not saying anything new here. I, I know that we all realize this. But that's the people Zephaniah is targeting here. And uh, he's speaking in terms of, like, you know, real severe judgment on the nation, which would come, you know, Not too many years down the road, the kingdom of Babylon would come and destroy, kill so many people, send people into slavery, separate families. Just terrible, terrible things were coming and Zephaniah is just warning them of of their coming judgment. God was gonna judge their apathy. Um, Apathy and and, and spiritual tranquility just doesn't seem like it's very high up there on the list of sins, um, you know. It's not something that we would rate as as you know as terrible as other things, but that is what God hates, you know. Among among the worst, that is what God was after. Um, that killed that killed the Jews or that killed the nation of Israel. That's what brought their uh, their destruction upon them. You know, Josiah, uh, he heard the message and. He, and we, we assume, listened to Zephaniah's preaching through Zephaniah and others, uh, turned the nation around to a certain extent. There was revival in Israel. Like so many times, it didn't last. They went back into apathy, okay? But Zephaniah's message did have an effect, and people did, uh, come to, uh, d- people did turn around. I'm going to really quickly jump ahead. I'm looking at the clock. I don't want to take too long, uh, because I don't want to end on entirely negative uh, because Zephaniah doesn't end, right, with this terribly negative uh, judgment, uh, promise of judgment. It ends on a positive note, like so many of the prophets do. Uh, let's jump ahead real quickly to chapter 2, verse 3, where it gives the call to action, uh, where Zephaniah tells the people what they need to do, okay? Verse, chapter 2, verse 3 says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, that it may, and it may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. This is quite simply the application or the what Zephaniah is calling his people to. Right? Seek the Lord. That is the best description of growth in Christ as a believer. We are to know the Lord. Uh, seek God, know him more, and that is what will transform our lives. Okay? Study God. I mentioned at the beginning, get into the Bible and have a plan where you can get to know God systematically, um, thoughtfully, okay, with, intentionally. Uh, study the Lord, study the Bible, you do that in church as well, you know, obviously, uh, but make it your priority to seek the Lord. That is what he expects and that is what will eliminate spiritual apathy. That, you know, that's the solution. It's a very simple solution. You know, no, no big secrets here, but seek the Lord. That is the response that God wants from us. Okay? Look to Him. Uh, really quickly, jump to verse 13 in chapter three.? Okay? Uh, it says, Zephaniah 3:13, "The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none of them and none shall make them afraid." The remnant in Israel. It's talking about well the survivors of God's judgment, and it's it's always referring to the few who do the right thing. Um, it's it's talking about the good the good ones among the Jews. You know, most of them sin, most of them get killed, they go into exile, many of them you know never come back. The remnant are those who follow God's plan, and they are there, and they include. You know, Joseph and Mary and those who are involved in the, the story of Jesus. Uh, the remnant are those who hear the message and accept it and do what God expects. And this is describing them getting to the end, okay? getting to the day of judgment. They will not be doing iniquity, nor speaking lies, nor be saying de- deceitful things. They're going to be living like God expects. And verse 20 at the end, it says, at that time, talking about the day of the Lord. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. Okay, again, last chapter, where God ends the story. Those who are the remnant, those who turn around, seek the Lord, and follow God's plan, they will be there at the end, and they will be, like it says here, a A name and a praise among all people of the earth. They will fulfill God's purpose for them, okay? Just like us. Now, I hope that each person in here, you know, really wants to be uh, part of this spiritual remnant, part of this group who does make it to the end and is living as a spiritual light to those around them. You know, I assume that that is what all of us in here want. I hope so. Um, What do we have to fight against? Apathy. What is the solution to apathy? Seek the Lord. Okay. God has put each of you on track to serve Him. You know, one way or another, right where you are. God has a plan for you in your workplace, in your school, in in, you know whatever your whatever your life, whatever your uh, part is in this life. God wants you to be active, completing His plan for the church right now. Okay, being a light making a difference around you. Um, God leads some people to Spain. God leads some people right here to your, to your very own city, right? God knows exactly what he wants of you. And if you seek him, you will know exactly what he wants of you as well. Okay. Uh, I encourage you, seek the Lord, find out his plan, follow his plan. Thank you. Um, we're going to end it there. I'm going to pray. And um, I guess, Pastor, close the service however you want. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time in your word. Thank you for uh, this passage from Zephaniah. I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to identify uh, where we need to change. Pray that you would help us to learn how better to serve you, how better to glorify you. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the